Doobah. It's time for Perhaps It's You, your favorite unofficial Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast starring Liz and Samantha. That's right. That's the two of us. This is apparently a podcast about Unsolved Mysteries. Those people on the internet have been pointing out lately. That's just mysteries. <laughs> that meme really, blew my mind. You don't really need to specify that they're unsolved if they're mysteries. <laughs> it's like saying mysterious mysteries. Next up on mysterious <laughs> mysteries of the unknown. Yeah. Um, hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, do we have any updates? I swear I had an update and I don't remember. So I, I feel don't like either. I feel like no. I feel like a really important update for the podcasters out there is that if you're having trouble remote recording, like just make sure your microphone's on. That might be. <laughs> when you're like, wow, why is none of this working? I don't understand. Oh, is it that your microphone's off? Yeah, maybe. These take are small a, details. Yes. Yeah, small, <laughs> small details you need to pay attention to. Because I just did a lot of troubleshooting and then that was the problem. <laughs> I'm basically ready to throw myself off. What's that hotel in Baltimore? <laughs> the Belvedere. I'm ready to throw myself off the Belvedere. Have you started that book yet? I haven't, but it did come in the mail. And it's Perfect. like it's like a nice. It's like hardback. There's like maps in it. I don't know. Oh. It's like much more. You know how a lot of true crime books um, look like something that should be in a clearance bin? <laughs> yes. Where if that book costs more than $5, like that's a huge ripoff. I don't know. Like the paper is like a bad quality and the 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 cover is probably made in like Microsoft Paint. <laughs> it's just literally like a picture of a of a, like a bloody thumbprint and... They're always black and red, and I don't know. You, people know what I'm talking about. It's not like that. This is like a like a oh a book. Oh, it's legit. Yeah, exactly. So one of these days I'll read that. It's sitting, I can see it from right now. It's sitting over in our our collection of perhaps it's you related reading materials. And what used to be the podcasting room we used to record here is really nice. So I mean, it's really it's supposed to be my dining room, but. <laughs> We had set up a, a little library. We we could record at, at what should be my dining room table. We have our our shadow box of things our fans have sent us. And now I'm just here with a bunch of crap that I haven't moved out of this room because Samantha's not here. There's like all the stuff from doing my nails the other day, just sitting. Why? Because why clean up? Why bother? No one's coming over. Nothing matters anymore. <laughs> There's the bowl of popcorn I was eating last night that's just sitting here. Doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it sort of is still the podcasting room. I mean, you're podcasting from there, so you can still call it that. Yeah, it's just not the same. Can you tell I'm bummed? <laughs> it's a, I mean, this it's a bummer of a situation. In many ways, this is a bummer of an episode. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's fitting that I'm just like... Nothing matters. I'm going to the Belvedere. Bye, everybody. <laughs> See you never. Peace out. I really, really hope my last words are peace out. It's been real. <laughs> so just pretend that's the last thing I say. <laughs> peace out. Yeah. I think that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> great, great opening fantastic opening to this show hi everyone we watched the original 
Robert Stack Unsolved Mysteries, and we recap them for you and rate the mustaches. And oh my goodness, we have so much fun. You know what? There are a lot of mustaches in this episode. So That's true. If we can say that. If you're into the mustaches, and this is just, I don't know, your first episode, ignore me whining. You're going to get what you came for. <laughs> mustache content. Mustache content. There's even some mullet some, content. There's some serious mullets. The other day, I was walking the dog, and I saw this guy with a rat tail, and I was honestly like... <laughs> Kind of excited, and I just told. I was like, "Mac, I can't believe I didn't tell you this the other day. I saw a guy with a rat tail. Like this was like news. Also, guess what? We're home all the time. We're super bored. <laughs> so the fact that this guy had like an unkempt, like too big rat tail. Like it wasn't like he braided all of his hair, right? Like most of his hair was close cut, and then he had a braid in the back. But it was like. Mm. It was, like, ropier than a rat tail should be. Like, more hair was going into it. <laughs> okay, okay. And it wasn't a very nice braid. Okay. Lots of choices were being made. And I, I realize this isn't, like, maybe a time that we're all, like, look, if I've been wearing the same pajamas for, like, two or three days, yes. But I don't know. I don't know about those those rat tail choices. <laughs> <sighs> Well, it's exciting that you saw saw a rat tail in the wild. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my update. Guess what, everyone? Saw a rat tail. <laughs> because what do I usually see? My dogs. I mean, this my is house. where we're my at in the pandemic, every day. Really. Although yeah. you and I saw each other in person. Just oh, that's true. Yeah, we had a nice little cemetery stroll. Got some fresh air. Realized we hadn't walked at all in a while. <laughs> So this like very slight hill, we were like, whew, feel that. It was a struggle. We sat under a tree for a while, got had some weird looks from all the the groundskeepers. One one groundskeeper was checking Samantha out hard. I thought he was going to drive into an open grave. (laughs) He was like hauling some dirt around. I don't know really what he was doing, but he like full on turned around to check out Samantha while driving. And I was like, that guy is going to topple over a mausoleum. We saw a turkey. That's true. There's a few turkeys over at Lakewood. They like were hiding in the bushes. I don't know. They seem really used to people. It's a Hollywood Forever Cemetery has peacocks that wander around, and our cemetery has turkeys. <laughs> and if you go over to the, I can never remember. It's Pioneers and Soldiers or Soldiers, soldiers and Pioneers. And pioneers. Yep. Cemetery. They have deer in there. Last they time like, I was driving to your house, I saw the deer just chilling, laying in the cemetery. Yeah, a deer got in there, and they've just started like, giving it water and a salt block, and I think it's pretty happy in there. I mean, it's a pretty nice place to be if you're a deer. I would like to come back in my next life as a cemetery deer. <laughs> it honestly sounds lovely. It really does. What a life. Oh, to yeah. be a cemetery deer. Yeah, better than this. Oh, this nonsense. That deer doesn't even know there's a pandemic. It's better what off. What a life. What a life. I know. I know. But wandering through a cemetery, good reminder to take care of yourself. If you don't want to move in early, you might want to wear a mask. It's true. It's true. Definitely don't like get on a plane and then refuse to wear a mask. Don't be that person. Ugh. Yeah, don't oh be that God. person. I I strongly believe that our listeners are not those people, but just to, I hope you know. I hope we've weeded all those people out. But if that if that's if you just heard me say that and you went, oh, that sounds like something I would do. 
You're not allowed to listen to this podcast. Go unsubscribe right now. You're not allowed to have our free content. It's conditional. There are conditions. That's one of them. <laughs> oh, can I say? Can I say I really appreciate? Okay. So as you may know, our show only accepts five-star reviews. That's one of the conditions. Uh, I really appreciate our latest review. Let me just pull it up so I yes. get word for word correct. So, yes, we only accept five-star reviews. And, dear listeners, you have really stuck to that, and I appreciate that so much. And our newest review from Rash Ray says, This podcast is dangerous. I started using soap nuts because of this dangerous <laughs> podcast. And I'm also... I, I I appreciate someone referring to a, an earlier mean review about how this podcast is dangerous, but I also am just happy that my soap nut evangelism is out there. It's working. <laughs> Switch away from detergent, everybody. I oh, that made me so that made me so nut. happy because of this dangerous podcast. Yes, that's true. You too could wash your clothes with dried berries. I'm sure I had some other sort of updates. I've also appreciated seeing people's pops in their dog bandanas. Yeah. Oh my god, so cute. So cute. Um, hopefully everybody has gotten their package by now if they ordered something. I know the postal service is like being purposely delayed and our postal service is a little screwy because one of the offices burned down. <laughs> so um, <laughs> things are taking longer than usual, but hopefully everybody's gotten their packages by now. I ordered these, Samantha, I ordered you these Japanese sloth stickers, and they never came, and I'm pretty sure they burned up. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure they burned up in the post office. Oh, man. RIP those sloth stickers. That's a bummer. I know. They were cute, too. And there was, like, sticker. I also got stickers where you could, like, make your own bubble teas. They were, like, little cups and toppings. and Oh, cute. Dang it. Well, they've moved oh. on to another world. Wherever <laughs> stickers go when they die. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sad. <laughs> sad. Okay, are we gonna talk about unsolved mysteries now? I guess we have to. We are recording. I'm actually, that. okay. I'm actually kind of excited to talk about this first one, which I'm glad I got. Which is a horrific case. It's terrible, but it takes place like basically where I grew up. So I have a like gossipy interest in it, and also I like recognize some of the places in the shots. So. You know when you're like watching a movie and you're like, I've been there. That was how I felt watching this. It made me feel cool for like no good reason. I was like, <laughs> I've been to Naperville, Illinois. I'm a woman of the world. Okay. So this goes back to February 25th, 1983. Fabulous year. Great year to be born in Naperville, Illinois. So Naperville is a... Um, northwest west suburb of chicago very affluent very white so white that's important to this story so chris nicarico and her friends came home from school to unfortunately find that their house had been broken into and also that their little sister chris's little sister janine was missing so of course they called the police they briefly considered that it was a burglary gone bad but I don't know. That doesn't really make any sense to me. But well, wasn't anything even? St I mean, obviously one thing was stolen, but was any like valuables yeah, even stolen? I, that was not never, clear. They never mentioned it. Um, I think it was like kind of brazen that like the door is just kicked in, but 
they're like oh they wouldn't have expected this girl to be there by herself so they took her i was like why why would if if you were breaking in to steal something and you realize the little kid in the side of the house you could also just leave you don't have right. to kidnap the kid and like whatever so anyway that wasn't true because sadly two days later she was found dead on the prairie path which is um just like a long biking hiking trail that goes through i don't know a bunch of burbs it's a good place for like kids to practice riding bikes and stuff like that anyway so she was found there raped and beaten to death at the time of filming this segment, two men were in prison for her murder, one of them facing execution. Both of this, those men claimed to be innocent, and guess what they were. So a third man had confessed <laughs> to the killings and said that he acted alone, but because that wasn't convenient, the authorities called him a liar. Also, three high-level, um, I don't think it was just officers, but like three high-level people had quit their jobs in protest of how poorly this case was handled, which is really saying something. Um, so there had been a $10,000 reward, uh, for leads on this, which led authorities to a man named Alex Hernandez, who claimed that people had confessed to him. So what it seems like is that Alex heard about the reward money and was trying to get it, but didn't really know anything. Also, it just sort of seems like he's the type of person who, like, brags about stuff that he doesn't really know about, if that makes sense. Right. He's a bit of a, he's a, bit of a liar and, like tries to sound more important um apparently he was known around his neighborhood as quote crazy alex all right um so he named a bunch of people and i think they were just sort of like criminals he knew in the area and he was kind of hoping like one of them did it and then he would get the money uh so only one of all of these names he threw out could be connected to the murder and that was steve buckley who owned a pair of boots that approximated the boot print found on the front door which is some of the weakest fucking evidence that I've ever heard. So at this point, the authorities go, oh, maybe the reason this information is so vague is because Alex himself was involved. Wh or he's just a liar. Or he just <laughs> or he just wants 10 grand. Yeah, it, I got the impression that he just wanted... First of all, it seemed like he was relatively vulnerable. He was set up by the police, and he just wanted that money. Yeah, I think it's very clear, but whatever. So to see if Alex was involved, the police set up a situation where they put Alex in a room with someone from his neighborhood he knew, nicknamed Penaguino. So this is taking place in Aurora, which is a nearby, much larger, not as rich, not as white suburb, right? That everybody in Naperville is going to be looking down on that they don't live in Aurora. Also, Aurora is where Wayne's World takes place. Very important. <laughs> So, so right, okay, so like, uh, this is so, this case is very frustrating. Um, so then they put him in this room with this guy that he knows, and then an, eaves, uh, an officer just stands outside the door eavesdropping. So Alex brags to this guy that he was at the murder, and he held Janie down, but didn't murder her. Which also, there's like no evidence that that's how she was killed, but whatever. Okay, well, they, didn't the police give this Penaguino guy like a bogus story? To tell yeah. Alex and essentially trick him into bragging about, well, I also killed a like. He goes in, Penaguino goes in and is like, I know all about the death of this other child. <laughs> you know how you're bragging about that. And then Alex is like, oh, yeah, well, I, he's like trying to one up him. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, I was at Janine's murder. 
And and the implication is like I think the officers like leave money in there or something, which I didn't understand at all. But the implication was that if like one of them had better information, like they would get the ten thousand dollars. So they're both like Alex is just like set up to brag that he knows about a murder, which he thinks will make him look cool. But also he thinks he's going to get ten thousand dollars. Yeah. So at this point, they drive him around Naperville because he said he would be able to lead them to the crime scene. Guess what? He didn't. He didn't know where that house was. He didn't know where anything was because he's actually not connected at all. (sighs) Okay. So another name that Alex had dropped was Rolando Cruz, who was at the time 19 and unemployed. He had been arrested twice, but for trespassing and theft, which is like completely irrelevant. Um, When police went to talk to him, he also supposedly tried to feed officers information that would get to the reward money, but they decided that that actually implicated him. So a year late, a year after the murder, with the pressure of an upcoming uh, election, the police held a grand jury for Hernandez Cruz and Steve Buckley on 36 counts, including murder, rape, and quote, deviant sexual assault. Which I don't know what that charge means, but I'm assuming it's because it involves a child. So Steve Buckley's case ended up in a hung jury, and they declined to retry him. The only thing they have on him is that, like, boot print that's the same brand of boots as he owns, which isn't evidence at all. And also, his last name is Buckley and not Hernandez or Cruz. Um, Cruz and Hernandez were both sentenced to death. Six months later, they find the body of a seven-year-old Melissa Ackerman in the drainage ditch in neighboring Kane County. Like, so Kane County is right next to DuPage County. This would have been like the same approximate area. This child had also been raped and murdered. She was the victim of murderer Brian Dugan. I think Dugan. Mm-hmm. Um, who who later unofficially confessed to murdering three people, including Janine. So basically, he said that he murdered Janine, but he didn't want to go on the record until he would be um, get a plea that he wouldn't get the death penalty. So they know that it's him, but he doesn't want to go on the record until they will say they won't kill him, basically. Um, and Dugan was able to confirm a lot of details about the case unlike hernandez who couldn't find the house and didn't actually know anything dugan was able to confirm several details about janine's death that only the killer would know you would think so dugan had said he didn't go to work that day um which was confirmed by his employer and then (laughs) this is just a hilarious statement sentence to me even though this case is so sad that he instead drove around naperville smoking marijuana (laughs) just looking for trouble so Anyway, and then I was like, are you telling me Robert Stack never smoked marijuana? Please. Anyway. <laughs> they were 100% sober during that threesome, Liz. Okay. All right. Well, you're right. I don't know. Maybe he hated <laughs> marijuana. Maybe he was not a, a fan. I really don't know anything about him. I just like making stuff up. Uh, so he eventually, not just, it seems like completely at random, knocks on the door of the Nicarico home and asks to borrow a screwdriver. Uh, in the reenactment, we see little Janine go to the door, open it with a chain, and she tells him she's sorry, but she's not allowed to open the door to strangers and that maybe he should try next door. And this is just, okay, it's just terrible. <sighs> So that he then realizes that the kid is home alone and kicks in the door um, and bounds and gags 
Janine. He was able to describe many specific details to to the case, such as, like, the pattern on her sheets and stuff like that. Um, And he was also wearing the same brand of boots that matched the print on the door because that wasn't really evidence against Buckley at all. It's not evidence to own boots. Um, He then drove her to the prairie path where he raped her and beat her to death with a tire iron. Uh, a child he beat a child to death with a tire iron okay so his stories also can be confirmed by two tollway uh, road workers who that day the day of the murder saw a white guy driving a green car almost get stuck trying to turn his car around leaving the prairie path which is hilarious to me because you know the reason they remember that is because they were talking shit about that guy i was just gonna say the same thing (laughs) They remember this because they were like, this moron can't even turn around. Look, look at that guy. Almost get his car stuck. So they're out there. It looks like they were like out there like picking up trash or something. Who knows? But um, yeah, totally. They saw a guy and then made fun of him because he can't drive. And then later they were like, oh, you guys were in the area. Did you see anything suspicious? And they were like, actually, we saw this white guy who's a total moron. Couldn't even drive his own car. <laughs> so, so that. It was the same type of car that Dugan was driving. It's the same color, right? Like, it it confirms his story. Um, also, the tires of Dugan's car were consistent with the tire marks that they found. So, at this point, we're going to get a couple mustaches. Um, one is Rolando's former attorney, Jed Stone, who has one of the strangest mustaches I've ever seen. <laughs> is this one with the little white patch in it? Or yes. is that another attorney? Because there was two yeah. attorneys that I think both worked on Rolando's team that yes. both had mustaches. Rolando will only hire an attorney with a mustache. Clearly, he sees that as a sign of credibility. So we get his former <laughs> attorney and his current attorney, which, unfortunately, his case, you know, spans on a long time. So it's not surprising really that he's had more than one attorney but his previous attorney who also has a mullet has a very poorly trimmed mustache (laughs) you know okay you know how at like christmas time marshall's puts together that like little kiosk of gifts for men that they would never ever want (laughs) do you know what i'm talking about it's like electronic fish scales and like I don't know, fancy beer openers. And it's just like gifts for men you don't know. But there's always in there like mustache ear hair trimmers. And I was, <laughs> I'm always like, what a fucking insulting gift. Like if you gave someone this and you were like, seriously, Merry Christmas, trim your nose hairs. But someone needed to give Jed that set because he cannot trim his mustache. He knew he was going on TV and this is how he looks. Jed. But also, also weird. His hair is going white, like very inconsistently. So there's like one patch at like the top of his lip that's all white. And it's also like, but he hasn't trimmed it right, so it's also longer. <laughs> it's or maybe the white hair is growing at like a different rate and he doesn't trim his mustache at all. So it's just like unruly. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, because of this weird white patch, I called it the Milky Way. <laughs> But then we see Rolando's current attorney, who I didn't even write down his name. His mustache is nothing spectacular, but this guy looks like his head is an egg. <laughs> like, as a kid, did you ever, for Easter, like, draw faces on eggs? Yeah, of course. Yep. That's what this guy is. <laughs> With a big bushy mustache. Yeah. Yeah, definitely one of those eggs you put a mustache on, right? Oh, yeah. To make it different than the other eggs. Oh, yeah. Well, 
This is the one you drew the mustache on, and he came alive, and now he's an attorney. <laughs> one gets glasses, one gets a mustache. <laughs> right. Maybe one gets a monocle or, like, sunglasses. Yeah. One gets, like, an eye patch. One gets a scar. Right, yeah. This is the one with the mustache. Egghead. <laughs> but I think I think the Milky Way is the MVM, because it's very odd. But anyway, whoa, not maybe so important. In 1988, the state Supreme Court ruled that Cruz and Hernandez should not have been tried at the same trial. So they had to, that verdict was overturned and they had to be tried separately. In the new trials, Cruz and Hernandez were accused of being Brian Dugan's accomplices, despite the fact that Dugan always said that he worked alone and there's actually really no evidence that they were with him. Or that they even knew him. Um, For reasons I did not really understand, the jury was not allowed to hear Dugan's statement that he committed the crimes by himself. The main piece of evidence used to say that there were multiple people uh, who committed the crime was footprints. So there's two sets of footprints under a window, and then there's the boot print on the door. So the prosecutor said that proved there were three people. However, the footprints under the window were women's five and a half or six which has not the size shoe either Hernandez or Cruz wore. But the jury never heard that. The prosecution asserted that that was their footprints. Uh, This seems like their only evidence. It literally. Because there were three different footprints, that means there were three different people there. And since we have three suspects, they're guilty. That was like their whole case. Yeah. I mean, I guess the confession, quote unquote confession, I'm doing scare quotes right now but that seemed like all they had to go on i mean i don't yeah yeah that's really unfortunate i mean i think race and class is playing like such a factor in this oh for sure overwhelming okay so hernandez got uh so cruz was found guilty at that trial hernandez actually got a hung jury so but he was tried again and then found guilty and was sentenced to 80 years um we now get Hernandez like talks to the camera and just like very calmly is like, I think that the jury should have been able to hear from Dugan and let the jury decide whether or not they believe Dugan committed the crimes by himself or not. I Like, why does the state get to decide that he's lying? Right. You know, it's, it's like, I don't know if I was this guy, I'd be so much more pissed. It's like the most reasonable point. Like, why did the state just get to go like, oh, no, he's lying about doing it by himself. Like, surely that's a matter for the jury. And I think if the jury had heard from Dugan, they would have been like, oh, yeah, that guy's a creep and he did it. And there's actually no evidence connecting these other people to the crime. Okay, so this (sighs) segment is actually a final appeal because he was supposed to be executed like a month or something after it aired. But fortunately, that's not what happened. So we get to the update. Um... In 1994, Rolando's conviction was overturned again. New DNA testing excluded him and Alex because they clearly weren't there and they clearly had nothing to do with it. By November 1995, a judge acquitted him of murder. In December of that year, Alex's conviction was overturned and he was released. It takes until 2002 that Rolando is pardoned by the Illinois governor. 
the new DNA test identified the semen at the crime scene as belonging to Dugan, the guy who said he did it all along. However, it was not until 2005 that he was charged with Janine's murder. I have no idea why. Dugan was convicted and sentenced to death on November 10th, 2009. However, the death penalty in Illinois ended in 2011, so he has been re-sentenced to life in prison. I looked it up. The last execution in Illinois was actually in 1999. So um, even though he was sentenced to death in 2009, I think they had a moratorium on um, the death penalty, but people were still being sentenced to it. Oh, okay. Uh, But then it was officially ended in 2011. So, um, that's just such a long time for them to be dealing with this case that they had absolutely nothing to do with. And it, and it kind of distracts from like, what an awful senseless tragedy Janine's death was. I, I'm, it's, it's interesting that, um, those people quit because they were so convinced of Rolando's innocence. Anyway, um, the Unsolved Mysteries airing this case helped with Rolando's conviction or not, but um, I think it was a sympathetic portrayal of them and why they should not be on death row. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, it has a... It, you, you hesitate to call it a happy ending because they spent so many years in prison. Didn't Rolando spend like 11 years in prison? Yeah. Like... For, not, for nothing. <laughs> that's awful. But he it's was such 19. A- they said he was living on this like really small amount of government assistant- assistance. He couldn't get a job. Like, I'm not surprised that he was like, oh, I could use $10,000. Like, that's like almost held out to him as bait to get him to implicate himself. Right. And then he ends up spending all of this time in prison for, for something they know someone else did. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, it's a perfect system and we should change nothing about it. <laughs> it's a great, we live in a really great country. Things work really well. That's my final thought. Uh, no, it's such a clear case of police def- deciding that, you know, these people, whether they did it or not, are going to prison for it and then building a case around that decision. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't like them. So they've decided that the that society, that white Naperville is better off with them in prison, whether or not they did it. Yeah. So it's uh, very frustrating. But if you are from the Chicago Burbs, maybe you'll recognize a few places and that will strangely delight you as you watch this case about <laughs> horrible child murder on a path that you've definitely like taken a leisurely stroll on. And now you can go, oh, a child was murdered here lovely yeah it's horrible it's really horrible well we have a lost love next a lost love that made me cry it's uh, brutal. this one is brutal. is bad uh this is a short mystery but it is it's sad but it has a happy end it's another one where it's like it's gonna frustrate you it's gonna take you on a journey you're gonna be frustrated you're going to be mad you're gonna be sad you're gonna be happy but you're also still gonna be sad because people lost years with their their loved ones for no good reason you'll be sad but relieved and then you'll go yeah systematic racism yeah it's it's not real that's what you'll say after watching this (laughs) what a weird what a weird argument people make Anywho, so this last love takes place in Canada. Um, basically, what Robert Stack introduces is he calls the Canadian government well-meaning, and I don't know how I feel. 
I don't know how I he feel about that. this. I wrote this. St- this is like the only note I took from this. He's standing in like a museum or something by a quilt. It's a little weird. Okay. But he refers to this as, quote, a cultural misunderstanding that we have uh, since learned is wrong. That's pretty ballsy. I don't think it's a misunderstanding when you're like purposely trying to annihilate a people in their culture. I'm not sure that's really a misunderstanding, but I mean, forcing he said that- family. Oh. The bar yeah. is so low that you're like, well, you didn't say it was wrong. I'm like, well, yeah, obviously. Obviously it's wrong. Yeah. So uh, apparently in the 1960s and 70s, I'm not exactly sure. They didn't lay out a timeline in the episode, but so many children were taken from their, so many First Nations children were taken from their families and given to other families some in the United States, uh, put into foster care. So many of these children were taken away that they're known as the lost generation. Yeah. And this segment profiles two families in hopes that uh, the Unsolved Mysteries viewers could help locate some of the missing children and reunite these families. So the first one is really short. This is Glenda Kiwatin Capo. Um, Her mother passed away in 1972 when she was 14. Her father was forced to give her and her six siblings away. Um, Mm. This, the reenactment for this first case is really brutal because Glenda is describing what happened, which is basically that her father was in this daze. Like he didn't really know what, I'm sure didn't know what he was going to do with these six kids. His wife has passed away. And then suddenly these social workers show up at his door and say, well, we're taking your kids away. And the youngest two children, Gail and Maureen, were adopted. The oldest two sisters were sent to live with relatives. Glenda and her three brothers were sent to separate foster homes. And then decades later, Glenda was reunited with five of her six siblings. Um, But her youngest sister, Maureen, is still missing. Maureen was born in June 19 or June 29th. 29 1968 and was adopted by a family in brandon manitoba unfortunately according to unsolved mysteries wiki this case is still unsolved it's unclear whether or not they were ever reunited Um, Ah! really sad what robert stack says that it seems to be harder to find the youngest kids which i think probably makes sense they probably have fewer memories of their families yeah. um maybe they don't even know <laughs> you know may, you know yeah. who knows how much information was sent with them or if their foster fam the people who ended up with them um or it will learn in the next case some of these kids were passed around to f- up to 14 foster families so how are they supposed to know to even look you know so anyway this case is horrible so Fortunately, Glenda was reunited with with five of her six siblings, but she was, I don't think, ever reunited with Maureen. But the next case uh, is the case of, well, we're looking for Bernie and Calvin Seton. Sandra Seton, uh, Seton Henry, is a native of the Ojibwe Nation in Ontario, Canada. She was one of six children as well. Her father was an alcoholic who often beat her mother. Uh, her mother's name was Myrna, and she... Um, in 1969, her father was barred from the house by court order. Myrna was forced to take work as a food vendor with a traveling carnival. 
and she ended up leaving um, for three weeks. As she asked a, a neighbor, it seemed like a friend and neighbor, to watch over the children, but the neighbor just fucking left the kids I alone. Know. I know. It was like the babysitter was there for a while, but then she, she peaced out, and the children were just trying to act like everything was fine because I think the oldest ones knew. Yeah, this like, was horrible because what Sandra described is that they tried to just go about their business. I'm assuming some of the kids went to school without like giving away to anyone that they weren't being supervised because they knew that people would come and take them away. What a traumatic in, thing to go through. In the reenactment, when the like child services show up, there's seriously a kid like holding a laundry basket and another one making lunch. Well, they're <laughs> like, we're just running the house. Don't mind us. And then oh in the most God. ghoulish fashion, I mean, who knows what they actually said, but in the reenactment, the social worker says, we're here to take you away. Yeah. So this is what we're dealing with. Um, you know how you're here waiting for your mom? <laughs> Don't worry. You're ne- you'll never see her again. Oh, great. Great solution. Um, so a welfare worker arrived a few days after the babysitter left and took the children away. On October 25th, 1969, Myrna was summoned before a Winnipeg court. She, like many parents, was intimidated by the court hearings, which basically seemed like someone just yelling at her about like being a bad mom. Which, and we hear from like an advocate and what he describes is what are you supposed to do you you're embarrassed because you don't want yeah you know you're in this she can't control she needed to feed her kids and this was what was available to her she couldn't pay someone to take care of them and so she was at she, she asked this person to do it and they peaced out but of course she feels embarrassed and now she's being called in front of like a whole room full of social workers a judge who's sitting up high looking down on her so the whole situation is fucked up. It's really sad. Also, Morris looks like an owl. <laughs> That's who the advocate is. Oh, sorry. I don't know that that was clear. He looks like an owl. He has a mustache. I think the name of that mustache <laughs> is Tootsie Pop. <laughs> he really does look like the Tootsie Pop owl. That's hilarious. He really, he really does. All right, the judge decided that the children should be placed with the child welfare department. All were either adopted or sent to foster homes. From the start, Sandra tried to get her family back. In 1971, she was reunited with her sisters, Wanda and Brenda. In 1988, they found their brother, uh, Chesley, who had been adopted in the United States. Along the way, they were also able to find their mother, Myrna, who joined the search for the remaining siblings. At this point, they were looking for their two youngest brothers, Bernie and Calvin. Um... Fortunately, thank God, we get a positive resolution to this case and we get to see the reunion. So this is solved. On the night of the broadcast, Bernie's adoptive parents and one of Calvin's former foster mothers were watching. With their help, Sandra was put in touch with them. Bernie's name is now Bernie Holly and Calvin's is now Tony Tovolino. They were reunited with Sandra and the rest of their family on March 4th, 1993. The reunion is so sweet. This is uh, where it's I like really it's really moving <laughs> it is it broke down it was so sweet and uh these two guys uh first of all you can tell they are brothers <laughs> they look exactly the same they also have like very similar mustaches and I'm not sure which is which I don't quite I don't remember but one of them Bernie or Calvin has 
an amazing mullet. A very long mullet. A he's long committed. mullet. He's committed to that mullet. I mean, yes. this this family was robbed of so many years, and I'm glad that Unsolved Mysteries was able to bring them back together. And I don't, you know, I don't care if they did it for ratings and money. Like, at least these people got to find each other again because it's so sad. It's so sad. And at one point, so the the I was already crying, but at the, there was one point where I think it was Tony. He was the one that had gone to 14 different foster families in his life growing up. And he says, for once I was welcomed in instead of pushed away. And I was like, I can't. My heart cannot take this. It was the saddest, most heartbreaking statement I've ever heard. It's like really true. He was just passed around to families. And he never. And why? Why? I don't know. He seems so nice, too. Yeah. Not that that should, like, really matter, but I was like, really? People couldn't deal with you? Right. Like, <laughs> okay. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's so frustrating because, okay, here's a mother who didn't have enough money. So they took her children and gave them to people and then gave those people money to take care of the children. Huh. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they could have well given <laughs> the mother the money in the first place. And left this family alone. Like I know, it's so frustrating. Victim of poverty and I systemic racism. And Sandra is just like so sweet. And this whole segment, you're just like, oh, please, please let them find their brothers. (laughs) I know. And fortunately, they do, and we do get the the reunion. So that's really nice. Um, Yeah. I like a last love, but this one, I mean, like most last loves are sad. It's a really good one. Yeah. I mean, the ones about siblings being torn apart are always the really sad ones to me. Yeah. Like, and so senseless. Just yeah. like in our last yeah. episode where it's like, well, we're going to take you away from, like, we're not going to let you have your children, but we're still going to take your children away and put them in foster care. Like, it's like, but why? Just How, let who is that helping? who is that helping yeah it's really sad and if you live in the states don't you know don't be looking down on canada like we don't do this because we absolutely do yeah okay we've got one last sad mysterious (laughs) mystery to talk about a mystery mystery (laughs) yeah it's a mysterious mystery of the unknown this is brutal yes it's rough. Okay, this is the death of Bill Henderson. This is a wanted. Uh, it opens with the Henderson family of Washburn, Texas, having a funeral for Bill Henderson, uh, who died at the age of 66. He was a retired banker who was murdered in his own bedroom. So um, Bill Henderson had had a lot of health problems, and his family had sort of been expecting him to pass away from that, but instead he was brutally murdered. Uh, we do hear a lot from Gary Henderson, who's Bill's son, who clearly loved him a lot. Uh, and he has a mustache. Uh, what did you name this mustache? The Ghost Prickler. <laughs> oh, I don't. Oh, it's, it's very pale and it's very prickly. It's... Oh my god, could I can't even imagine making out with that mustache. No, is... you would get like rug burn of the face. <laughs> that mustache looks so prickly. It looks so prickly, and it's kind of pale and a little bit offset. It's like an albino hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> that's what his don't remind me of those albino hedgehogs i really want one 
Yes. Everybody tell Samantha she should adopt some albino hedgehogs. Okay. So um, to go back in time a little bit, on May 12th, 1991, Bill said goodbye to his wife, daughter, and granddaughter who were off on a trip to visit family in Austin, Texas. Bill was staying home because of his ill health. He, did, he rarely left um, the home for long periods of time. So he was in touch with his family for a few days, but by May 16th, his son Gary tried to reach him on the phone and kept getting the busy signal. He wasn't sure if the phone was left off the hook, but they were concerned that he had had a heart attack. So Gary and it seems like some other family members went over to the house and when they arrived, they were concerned that Bill's pickup truck was gone. And I don't know, it just wasn't really like him to be like out and about. So they enter the house. Um, the kitchen phone was off the hook. They also found his broken glasses in the hallway. Uh, entering the bedroom, they found that everything was like a disarray, like drawers were open stuff was knocked over things like that and bill was lying uh dead on the floor his body was cold um and it turned out he had been strangled and beaten to death with an electric iron what the fuck eight to ten hours earlier um so his family finds him dead and one of them says to gary like i don't think he had a heart attack (laughs) i think he was murdered Oh, so they called the police and the investigation starts. Bill's wallet was found on the ground miles away outside of Amarillo, Texas. His pickup truck was found a couple days later outside of Chicago, which is, you know, like a thousand miles away. Um, it turns out that on the day of the murder, <laughs> Robert Stack says very specifically, 265 miles east of Washburn, three young men arrived at a truck stop near Oklahoma City. The two younger men were extremely nervous, and while the driver of the truck was on the phone, they went and told the attendant that the person they were with had stolen the truck. And they had the plate number, and they had the like make and model of the vehicle and whatever. So the attendant goes in back and calls the police. However, Bill's body hasn't been found yet, so that truck hasn't been reported missing. So he calls in and was like, hey, you know, I work at this gas station. I think I'm being told this truck was stolen. And they're like, oh, it hasn't been reported stolen. So he goes back. He tells the hitchhikers, like, yeah, that hasn't been reported stolen. And they're like, no, something is definitely up. Something is very wrong. So they refuse to get back in the truck with the driver. And they take all their, you know, bags and sleeping bags or whatever out of the truck. The driver leaves and they call 911 themselves. But they're told the same thing that. The truck hasn't been reported missing. So the truck was abandoned outside of Chicago less than 24 hours later. And then I just wrote down great bolo tie. I think that was a picture of Bill. Okay. So that's the end of the case. Basically, they were trying to find the two hitchhikers who hadn't left their name or address or anything because they wanted a better description of the driver um, who was driving Bill's truck. And, you know, they were pretty sure it was the murderer. And he was. Um, so let's take a look at the Unsolved Mysteries wiki for the update. We're told just on um, Unsolved Mysteries, they said, as the result of the broadcast, the two hitchhikers came forward. Then under hypnosis, they recalled details about the suspect, such as his first name and hometown. This led authorities to Lawrence Tut, already serving time in Ohio for an unrelated crime. Um, DNA connected him to Bill's murder and he pled guilty. Okay, so let's see what the Unsolved Mysteries wiki says. Um, Solved. On the night of the broadcast, the hitchhikers, who were cousins, came forward and contacted the telecenter. Soon after, they were put under hypnosis in hopes of identifying the killer. However, they were unable to give enough information to identify a suspect. So you're telling me Unsolved Mysteries lied to me? What the fuck? (laughs) 
<laughs> in December 2005, the police reopened the case and located a witness who had been overlooked in the initial investigation. Initially, investigators believed that the phone call the suspect made at the sh- truck shop was to a shelter. However, during the new investigation, they found the suspect had actually called a residence. That's weird. The owner of the residence told them about a roommate that lived with her in 1991. The roommate claimed that she had received a call from the suspect. She said that his first name was Larry and that he lived in a town near a lake in New York. Wow, that sounds like not enough information at all. She said that the town's name started with an S and start sounded strange. Investigators were able to identify the town as, oh my goodness, I have no idea how you say this. Scan... Italy's. Did they just go through a list of of towns? As towns <laughs> and we're like, okay, which, which, are these which are ones? Strange. Which one's the weirdest? I think it's Scanidalies. <laughs> um, through this, they were able to identify a possible suspect, Lawrence W. or Larry Tut. Tut was a transient and a known criminal who was in custody in Ohio on an escape charge. DNA evidence and the... Okay, I did forgot to mention that they had a palm print from Bill's murder. So that connected him to the crime scene in July 2006. I mean, so much time has passed. In July oh, 2006, wow. he's indicted for Bill's murder. In November 2007, he pleads guilty and is later sentenced to 45 years in prison. However, he was already serving time in New York for a 1998 arson and murder of William Freitag. William and Tut were close friends. Will- okay, now we're just getting information about that. <laughs> William and Tut were close friends. William died in a fire that destroyed his home. Initially, it was ruled as an accident. Tut was at the home when the fire started and told several different stories about what had happened. William's family was convinced that he was murdered. In William's apartment, they found paperwork which stated he had been arrested on drug charges in New Mexico. However, when the police located the arrest report, it showed a photograph of Tut. Apparently, he had stolen William's identity and killed him so the charges would be dropped. Fascinating. (laughs) Evidence was later found in the apartment, which indicated that an accelerant was used. While in jail on drug charges, Tut admitted to his cellmates that he had set the fire and murdered William. In 2014, Tut completed his sentence for escape in Ohio and began serving his 25-year sentence in New York. Once he completes his New York sentence, he will begin his 45-year sentence in Texas. He is currently suspected of being responsible for other murders and may possibly be a serial killer. Wow. What do you think was up with his ponytails? <laughs> Are you, have you seen this mugshot? Samantha's getting to the real heart of the issue. I, I'm i fascinated to find out that there is suddenly a New Mexico connection to this case. Why does he have that? I don't know, because he's a dirtbag. Okay. Yeah, the composite has him... Huh. <laughs> this is not how he was depicted in the reenactment, which is No, it kind of was, though. I thought, okay, so in the reenactment, he we we see him going to use the payphone and he had what I thought were like little like white guy dreads in the back, which are like that, little pony that's a choice. That's a choice. But yeah, they show him having Okay, do you remember like a 90s Seth Green uh-huh, would sometimes uh-huh. have tiny little ponytails? <laughs> It's kind of like that, but on, like, a man who would stab you rather than talk to you. <laughs> Not, like, on a quirky Seth Green. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. This case is interesting because it seems like it's a home invasion. 
and there's, you know, not a ton to it, but we're getting like, it's going some interesting places. First of all, I was like, how much money did these people possibly have? Right. They seemed like very average people living in like a one story house. Like, do you think it was just the truck? Do you think he did it for the truck he stole? He sure. Okay. This was a very elderly, sickly man. He could have just taken the truck. He didn't need. He could have just taken the truck. He didn't need to beat him with an iron. He could have just taken it. I don't like. It, it, there's no way he had jewels <laughs> or riches like lying around his house. Like, be better at crimes, people. For real. Oh my god, this is For frustrating. Real. But yeah, this composite sketch with the tiny little ponytails. <laughs> I don't know when. When was this taking place? Very early night. I feel like this guy was early nineties. Like fashion innovator. <laughs> Seems very early to be wearing this hairstyle. It's just so such a strange juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. It's also something that's like effort. Like it's not something that happens by accident. You don't accidentally get all these little ponytails. <laughs> it's not like oh he just you know hasn't had his mullet trimmed in a while or something. Like if this you. Is a- <laughs> the composite sketch looks like if you were doing a, um, a tea an imaginary tea party with with a small child. This is how they yeah. would do your hair in these little yeah. tiny ponytails, yeah. all over your head. It's really, it's really a bad look. It's not great. Um, it's I not don't great. think this guy is good at crimes. He no. seems to have killed a lot of people. The hitchhikers, though, props to them for being so persistent. They were like, look, we know this. We don't know what this guy did, but he did something bad and someone needs to check into it. The people at the gas station were like, yeah, they were clearly scared as hell. Like, I don't know what this guy said to them after picking them up, but they were like, we're lucky to be alive. Like, holy shit. This is a nightmare. This is why you don't hitchhike. (laughs) Because, yeah, this he. Oh, man. Who knows what he said? That would be interesting. Yeah. My grandfather used to hitchhike a lot and ride the rails. Wish we could do stuff like that. No kidding. I know. It's hard to have an adventure anymore. <laughs> Particularly when you have to just stay home in your house all the time. <laughs> yes. Get Not a great about- time for adventures 2020. <laughs> Get excited about seeing one rat tail. That's what this year is. <laughs> all right. That is the end of this episode because we had one uh, unnecessary lost love update that we had already covered. Yeah, only three about, mysteries in this episode. About the girls in the depression, which is really sweet, but we already did it. So All right, that well, let's end. rate it then. Mysteriousness? Yeah. I feel like there were actually some twists and turns in this. It's true. It's true. I, I feel like it's more mysterious than I would expect. I agree. Yeah, and especially if you were watching it when it aired, I feel like it would be extremely mysterious. So I'm. I think you would be like, that guy in his stolen truck picking out hitchhikers is coming down my block right now. Like, if I had watched this while this was on, I would be terrified. You were looking at every guy looking for those ponytails. That guy was just driving around, murdering people that don't have any money and picking up hitchhikers and leaving cars places. They didn't have any idea where he was. And it turned out he was in prison. But you didn't know that. He could have been coming for you. So yeah, yeah I actually would say pretty mysterious. I was very engaged with with both of those um cases actually. I think usually I don't like when there's only three mysteries, but I think in this case it actually serves the mysteries well because we got more information about it and it kind of they I deserved agree. that. 
So I'm going to say thumbs up for mysteriousness. Yeah. And reenactments, I thought were pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, you got to see that guy's hair while he's using the phone. The lost love reenactments are so fucking sad. There are I those mean, little kids. Their- after they came to take the little kids away and they're they, in their tiny little child voice, we're like, are we going to see our mom? I know. Oh, after she had died. That was so horrible. And then they like for this the second family they take like the youngest children first and the older children that have been like running the house and trying to pretend like nothing's wrong are like what about us and the child welfare people are just like oh we'll be back for you I was like what this is awful <laughs> but Horrible. I do think I was like yeah well done just very sad so um yeah. thumbs up I guess fashion. There's, I mean, I even wrote down what a great bolo tie there was in this. There is, uh, I don't know if we even still really make an, a garment called a windbreaker. I don't know if wind still needs to be broken. But... We don't make it like they used to, I have no, to say. No, and I feel like that's the, the real mark of the downfall of this nation. Where is the windbreakers? The wind is going to get us. It's going to take us on. Uh, if you like a neon windbreaker, if you like a a, a, a a sweater with some cats on it, I mean, there's a lot of good fashions in here. A lot of mullets. A lot of mullets. We typically will include the mustaches and the and the hair in the fashion category. And, and so this is like off the charts. There's so many mustaches. I had to keep stopping and pausing to sketch mustaches because <laughs> there's the ghost prickler. There's the Milky Way. There, Yeah, there is so many. So There's the Tootsie Pop. <laughs> um, yeah, and that guy had really la- round glasses that made him look even more like an owl. Mm-hmm. So that is another fashion plus. If you can look like an owl, do it. That's yeah. fashion. <laughs> um, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I don't know. Can we give Robert Stack a thumbs up? He saw some questionable things in this episode. I realize he that's really probably his right. I'm not sure that he came up with that on his own, but... Uh. I looked to the part where he, like, took a letter out of his pocket about someone who quit because they hated how Rolando's case was whole- being um, handled. That I appreciated. But Robert Stack being like, look, Canada made some mistakes. It was a misunderstanding. To a whole try- generation of children separated from their families. Look, we've all been there. What? Sure, you, you could call it a genocide, but... Will we? No. Um, I think we have to give him a thumbs down just just as a lesson. <laughs> Sorry, Robert Stagg. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Learn learn from your mistakes and your cultural misunderstanding, Stack. <laughs> think about what you've done beyond the veil. All right. Uh, on our Robert Stack scale, zero to five, um... Where are I put this one? Okay, this is sad. All of these cases are brutal. I actually kind of really liked this episode. I thought I it think, was well done. I think the two crime cases, you get a lot of information. There's a lot of twists and turns. Um, and for the lost love, I don't know, you get two families. So it's yeah. almost like you get a little extra. And we got to there. see the reunion, which I always love. Yeah, um, and it's, it's so heartwarming. And you got to be like... Well, thank you, Unsolved Mysteries, for writing this wrong. Um, I'm going to say four, I think. I think I can safely go with a four. I feel like I'm probably being a little generous because I did like seeing some places that I knew. And I just have to admit that. But even so. It was a decent episode. 
because I was like, why have I never heard about this case? This happened like so close to my house. But now I know the truth. God, and what a nightmare case that is too. Totally random. Just broke in, stole and murdered their child for absolutely no reason other than all the marijuana he smoked. <laughs> tisk tisk tisk. Um, yeah, actually, I think it's a pretty good one. Yeah, it's this pretty is solid. A, a decent episode. Four Robert Stacks out of five Robert Stacks. If we're rating it on mustaches, Ooh, bitch, five out of five. I, yeah, six out of five. <laughs> you never seen mustaches like these. Unless you have them. Oh my goodness. Okay. If you have them, you need to think about it. Just <laughs> reflect no. on okay. your life choices. Wait till Christmas time, put on a mask, head over to Marshall's, and buy that trimmer kit. Okay? <laughs> because if you've got the Milky Way, you're, you're doing something wrong. That's not how a mustache needs to look. So uneven. Like, as a mind of its own. No. Okay. As you may know, we like to end the episode with some recommendations a little palate cleanser after talking about oh i don't know ch- children being beaten with tired irons and sickly old men being beaten with irons this was the episode of people <laughs> being beaten to death Whew. very sad very brutal so i'm going to give you a recommendation that's not a palate cleanser at all oh great <laughs> and i think samantha knows what i'm going to say oh i'm talking do. about it okay. and i actually this is a good recommendation, though, and I think people will really like it. And it's fiction, so that's <laughs> true, real life. That's true. Uh, so I'm recommending the podcast Baraska, which is an audio drama put out by Q Code. And I think this came out a few months ago, um, but I, whatever. I've got, a, I've got a lot of podcasts here on my phone that I <laughs> have yet to listen to. I'm behind. Uh, but as you may know, I'm a fan of the show Riverdale. And so I heard that this podcast was coming out because one of the voice actors on the podcast is Cole Sprouse. And I heard about it and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. Maybe we'll listen to that. And I honestly have no idea why or how I ended up actually listening to it. But I love it. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's really and I good. Wouldn't, I wouldn't stop talking about it. And because of that, Samantha ended up listening as well. And so, I liked it. I actually had to force myself not to binge listen. I like rationed my episodes, so I I only let myself listen to one a day. Uh, very thankful. I wish I, did. I wish I had done that because I didn't know how much I was going to like this. I was just looking for something to play like while I was doing other stuff. You know how you usually listen to podcasts, and it wasn't until I was like halfway through that I was like, "Wait a minute, I really like this. This is great." <laughs> and um, so I stopped. So there's like that. There's eleven episodes, I think. And the last two, it's like a two-parter. They're like 45 minutes long. So I actually was like, okay, I'm going to wait and listen to the like last two together tomorrow. And it was so nice to go to bed being like, I'm going to listen to the end of Baraska tomorrow. Like I was so <laughs> excited to find out what happens because it's a very creepy story. It actually started as an internet um, creepypasta posted on the No Sleep Reddit. And it won scariest story of the year, whatever year it was posted um and then that ended up on the no sleep podcast just a reading of that story which i haven't listened to that yet but i'm very curious and then q code ended up um making a like more like it has like a cast and you know the production is very well done very yeah. good and the i thought the acting was very good like the the even like down to like the footsteps when they're walking i was noticing all of that as i was listening and just like really impressed yeah yeah and um 
I don't want to say too much about it. Obviously, it's definitely a thing where, like, the less you can know about it, I think, the better. But it's just, like, a creepy situation where people are going missing and you're trying to figure out, like, what is going on in this small town. And there's lots of clues. And I, I both Samantha and I sort of, like, I don't know what you would say, like, half guessed what the end was. I would say I would guess, like, you might characterize it as the motive. Like, I sort of figured out what was going on, but not the, like, details of it. But I was so fascinated to find out, like, how these things were connected and what certain clues meant. And it really just, like, pulled me along for that story. And Liz and I both had fun kind of, like, looking back at it and, like, like, oh, remember this? Did this mean that? Oh, my God. Like, there were so many things that we didn't realize were even clues until we, like, thought about it afterwards, which was so i enjoyed that a lot and we'll probably re i think you're re you've re-listened already i'm re-listening to it and the amount of like both foreshadowing and clues like some things are like actual clues to the end and some are just like storytelling techniques of like thematic things that run throughout it but both of those things are like so well done to like bring it together to the conclusion it's really fascinating to go back knowing what happens and like see when different elements are introduced and like things about certain characters and whatever it does have kind of a like i don't know young adult sheen to it i'm not gonna say i'm like 100 percent on board with like every choice every whatever um because i do think it is maybe more geared towards that audience but i still really loved it i really enjoyed it well it has a bit of a stranger things vibe like kids in a small yeah. town riding their bikes around this creepy things happening it has a, a bit of it's a you know a, a bit from that genre so i can i get why you you know it has a little bit of that feel to it um but yeah really good yeah and i th- i actually i thought the acting was super good um that might be surprising but i learned that they actually did it like a table read like they're all in the same room oh i didn't know that which is kind of interesting i don't think that's how most audio dramas work but i think it made the dialogue um sound a lot more natural you know right. because both of us aren't really like I can't say I've really listened to another audio drama thing like this. It's not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm the target. I don't seek them out. Market. I don't yeah. tend to like, sometimes they sound hokey and maybe it's because people record them by themselves in a closet somewhere. They often, I don't know, to me don't sound. They sound I'm, kind of theatrical. It's almost like a different style of acting. And right. as someone who like grew up just watching TV and as in a theater person, I'm not always like, totally on board but i thought this was a much more like i almost like a, a believable conversational type of style so yeah i thought it was so spooky and so good and um i don't know i ordered the poster that's how like that's what a sucker i am i really hope they do another season i realize they're not listening to this podcast but i really would Q like beg them to do another season because it's so good and i was really ups- i was disappointed when it was over i was like oh man i, I don't know. have any more of this to listen to <laughs> i wish i had started i mean this is just like not really like me but i wish i had started listening when they released the first one and had to like wait a week for each one like i would have been like that would have been fun yeah that would have been really fun 
but you know i did listen to another q code podcast i hadn't listened to any before and so i was just kind of curious i listened to one called the left right game um the sound production for that is amazing it's like movie level quality sound i i have never heard a podcast have anything like that it's more of a fantastical story so i'm not i was less like into it i do think it's really well done but um, by the time it got to the end, I was kind of like, yeah, okay. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's 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 not believable. I don't think that's really, like, the point of it. But I just was less into it. Um, but that's also out there if that's something you would be interested in. Oh, yeah. I just want to talk about Brask all the time now. I thought it was really, really good. And if, folks, if you have, if you do like audio dramas and you've listened to a bunch of them, I'd love to get some suggestions because it's just oh, not yeah. a genre of podcast that I seek out or I'm really, I don't know, I don't have my finger on the pulse of the audio dramas. I don't know what's out there. And I'd love to listen to more because I feel like this has left a little bit of a hole in my life. I know. I definitely would like to listen to more stuff like this because I thought it was so good. And I, I really was like, at one point, Mac had made dinner and I was just like, I can't come right now. I've got, because I had like, I don't know, half an hour left. I was like finding out what happened. I was like, I can't eat right now. The last two episodes go really fast. And yeah, yeah. yeah, you had told me that you listened to them together. So that's what I did too. And I definitely recommend that. Yeah. Oh, but that would have been horrible to have to wait for the next week for that second part of the end. Such a cliffhanger. Yeah, for sure. Ah, Okay. All right. What's your recommendation? Okay. I have a recommendation. So we don't really have merch for our podcast. Occasionally we, and we might have something coming up. So keep your eye out. But for the most part, we don't. Like, if you sign up for our Patreon, you get some stickers. You do get your quarterly gift if you're the super-duper mystery solver level. But we don't have merch. But over the years, some of our listeners who are much more talented (laughs) than we are have come up with various designs. And recently, in our Facebook group, someone who was, like, kind of new to the podcast, I'm not sure, shout out to whoever you are, um said like brought up the i don't remember if it was the purpose of justice or the lost love i think it was the lost uh, love shirt shirt which i own i have a lost love it was a fan oh, designed shirt um very nice shirt from our listener amanda leap it's so and, soft too it's and like so the that, softest shirt i own it's a really nice shirt i think i wore it yesterday um and actually i'm wearing a different fan design shirt right now but we have very talented <laughs> fans so this listener uh posted like where can i find this like is this available somewhere is it you know no, no longer available or whatever and amanda who's still in the group chimed in and said you know i actually closed my society six six store but if anyone's interested i would reopen it and i actually have a few designs that i never released uh which a bunch of us were super into it so she did that and as of right now it's she still has her her store open and i wanted to recommend it because not everyone is on facebook so i feel like not everyone or even if you are you might not be active in the group their algorithms sometimes don't bring things to the surface for people so if you have ever been interested in getting some merch there's a a perhaps it's you like it looks like the opening where Unsolved Mysteries, like the, the the logo comes at you and there's like a bright flash of light behind it. Um, She's got a design with that on a shirt, but with perhaps it's you. I ordered one of them. Um, <laughs> Wait, but what style shirt did you get? I got just a t-shirt. Okay. 
Because you can get tanks too now. Yeah, you can get tanks now. Um, some long sleeve shirts. I don't like tank tops generally, so I usually go for something with Same. a sleeve. But if you like tank tops, get them. Um, she also has a There's Never a Treasure, which looks just like the Last Loves shirt, but it says There's Never a Treasure, which I really like as well. Uh, the Porpoise of Justice uh, designed sticker. Uh, if you've seen that design, she has that on a few things you can get. It's so good. The sticker. There's it's- a few other things. It's such quality, that Porpoise of Justice Design. And I absolutely love that Amanda told us that she applied for a job in design and used that in her portfolio, and they <laughs> loved it. Which is the and most so amazing so thing. Funny and great. <laughs> the Porpoise of Justice lives on and is getting people jobs. <laughs> Honestly, the legacy of our podcast. Yes! Uh, so I wanted to plug Amanda's Society6 store. And you can find this by going to Society6 and just searching Amanda Lee, L-E-E. And it'll come up and you'll know right away that it's the, you're in the right place because you'll see uh, the Porpoise of Justice and the Perhaps It's You podcast shirt she designed. Um, I wanted to plug this because it's amazing to me that people are designing fan art for our podcast and it's something I want to support. Uh, and I think, you know, we don't have really the capacity to be putting out a bunch of merch. So uh, if you would like us to, <laughs> um, this is your chance to get some, some merch and to support uh, one of our lovely listeners who has been a listener since the beginning. Yes. Shout out to Amanda. That's a great idea. Great suggestion. Yeah. And honestly, so I struggle to come up with these recommendations each week because I do almost nothing these days except (laughs) buy things. (laughs) So uh, every recommendation Uh, is probably just going to be like, well, this is the Etsy shop. I bought something random from this week. Uh, And it just so happens that this week I bought a shirt from Amanda. You say that like your Animal Crossing villagers don't depend on you, Samantha. Well, please. True. I do uh, take care of my my Animal Crossing. You're in charge of an an entire society. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which two of my villagers got into a fight the other day i didn't know that was a thing they can get over into some petty arguments a tiny scuffle they had like a, a cloud of dust <laughs> and and one of them called the other a know nothing that's just Damn. rude that's, that's just rude. rude are you kicking He's, him off your island uh, i don't i don't know i kind of like him though well, we'll see hopefully they we'll get see. their act together it's been just one one scuffle so funny god what would we do without this okay i think it is time to wrap things up all right let's plug our shit you should listen to baraska just kidding uh you should but we also have i don't know social media have you heard of that twitter instagram facebook we have a Facebook group. We also have an Animal Crossing group because that's how cool we are. We have a website, perhaps com. You can message us. You can see our recommendations. I haven't updated it in a little bit, but maybe I'll get on that this week. You never uh, know. Anything could happen. Uh, we have a, a Patreon, and if you, you have, I don't know, you found four quarters in the street, you can send that to us. <laughs> And you can hear an entire backlog of content. How many episodes we have now? Like 33 or something? A lot. And and three of them are about the low files. So (laughs) you know you want to hear about that. Cough up those quarters. For a dollar a month, you get instant access to that backlog of episodes. We are currently covering the Unsolved Mysteries reboot. We have the first two episodes. Those are out now. Uh, We talk about them in one very long episode of our show. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite quite lengthy. But we'll be doing the other, the next two. Next month? This month. 
what month three, is it? Three and four. Oh my god. Three and four for it's already August somehow. <sighs> you know how your brain is still kind of stuck in March? Well, it's August. Um is that everything? Oh, we only accept five star reviews. Um, thank you for your submissions to the zine. I will be putting that together now. If and you yeah, haven't we- reviewed us on iTunes Apple Podcasts and this dangerous podcast has influenced you to, I don't know, use soap nuts, uh, drink polar water, yeah. make sure you give us a five-star review and, let, and warn the rest of, of yeah. humanity. Be- because of this dangerous podcast, now I can't stop playing Animal Crossing while wearing my Lost Loves t-shirt, drinking polar water. Oh, also, I meant to... A- okay, in the end, I meant to... A- Dedicate this episode to friend of the pod Zenip, who recently moved to away from Minnesota to Chicago. So, so sad. Zenip, this episode is dedicated to you. I meant to say that at the beginning and I forgot and I'm sorry. Good best wishes in Chicagoland to you and your family. Come back and see us. The end. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh don't solve mysteries, just take naps. Thanks everybody. Keep barking. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>